Right now you've got the last laugh. I know I abused you. Check. I took advantage of you. I used you selfishly. Interesting. That was a very interesting choice. Uh, peace, y'all. This is the Views from the Seven Podcast. This is your guy, Spence. I'm joined with my homeboys, Ivan. A.K.A. Positive Pete. Skinny. Yeah, yeah. And we are here with a an amazing brother. Um, we've been in here quite a while before we even pressed the record button. And um, if you guys could hear the conversation that we had before we even pressed play. Um, Jeez. What do we, what do you, what do we call you? Um, Imam Mustafa or Mustafa Yunus. My, the title is Imam. Imam. Okay. Would Brother Yunus be? That's fine. That, I mean, because I can, I can roll that's that right fine. off the. That's, that's fine. Brother Yunus. Um, before we even uh, start, um, you are very knowledgeable. Very, very knowledgeable. And I guess it, it warms me a little bit because you don't find many elders who are so open to talking to. Um, Will we, will we be considered the youth? Yes. Yeah. Man, depending on how I feel, <laughs> how I feel that morning when I roll out of bed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, where did you get your start? For hearing you, hearing you now, and you told us you don't, you didn't go to college. No. <laughs> it's incredible. Where did you get your start? Where was what was the spark? that said, um, I want to dive into not just Muslim, but all religions. It's, it's a, I'll try to make it a short, easy answer. When I was young, I was bullied. Okay. I'm from Detroit. And chased home every day. Uh, also, I began, as, when, as Ivan mentioned, I like movies. So as I began to watch these movies, The Diary of Anne Frank, which was a very important stepping stone for me because I realized I got bullied, but who could make my powerful grandfather and father hide up in an attic? Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine who could have done that. So I went to the library, and that was a big trip, several miles through dogs and bullies, to find out about these people who were terrorizing adults. Mm -hmm. And um, I was stunned about the Holocaust. I 
always have been. Then I realized something else. I want to travel. Yeah. But I can't travel if I'm constantly afraid to walk out of my house. Okay. Yeah. And I wonder what made these guys in my own neighborhood, what did they derive from making me afraid and unhappy? What do you get out of doing that? Mm. So I went and learned how to box. Mm. Okay. And later I took up martial arts. And because I thought maybe I was just a coward. Because back in the day, you just knocked a bully out and that was ended it. That was the end of it. But I didn't realize that. So that's what triggered me watching the movies, seeing all these exciting places, all these amazing uh, individuals, adventurers, and going to different islands. And I said, I want to do that, but I can't do that if I'm afraid to leave my house. So I put myself in a position whereby I could at least take care of myself. But I also realized something else. I dislike bullies. As I got older and began to investigate religions, spiritual bullies as much as physical bullies. Mm, mm, mm. And you see those in the church and in the mosque, they know just a little bit more and they can make someone very uncomfortable and unhappy. So that kind of triggered me. I wanted to um, travel and see things. And um, so that was really uh, the movies and also that process of bullying that I thought was a bad thing really was a good thing because it began to develop my psyche. So you seen the movie Diary of Anne Frank yes. first before yes. reading the book? Yes. I saw the movie years before I read the book. Mm, okay. You I, know. I, speaking of, like, on the movie tip. So I was told that Casablanca is the number one movie of all time. Do you agree or disagree? Usually the movie that ranks number one is Citizen Kane by Orson Welles. I heard that was, I heard that was up there yeah. too. And Casablanca is an interesting movie because it had no script. Oh, wow. Oh. They had no script. They were recreating it all the time. But that's that creative mind that existed then. And it was it's strange when you watch it as an adult and realize there's not a lot to it. But Citizen Kane is a more remarkable movie because Orson Welles was a remarkable filmmaker. Okay. He, Citizen Kane, he achieved his greatest success when he was about 23 years old. Orson Welles followed that life path. That was his greatest success. Do you, do you, mm. do you hold Citizen Kane up there as the number one movie all I time? do, and for one reason... Some of those movies, when I saw them, I was a young man or a child. Yeah, okay. I have gone through the whole progression with Citizen Kane okay. in my 20s, in my athletic powers, in my 30s, as I began to develop intellectually, in my 40s, as I began to physically decline a bit, into my 50s, into my 60s, now close to 70s. So I've seen that whole range of being a young, powerful man like William Mays and Muhammad Ali were at one time, to now... Needing a cane. Mm. Um, my daughter wanted me to ride around the market in a basket. You know, I said, when that happens, I just stay home. I'm not <laughs> yeah. riding around the market in a basket. Yeah. So I've gone that full progression. Yeah, so right. films, I've, I've traveled that whole thing. And I got a chance to, um, to travel. Uh, religions came later because uh, I was baptized June 1st, 1968. June 1st, 1968. No, no. Mm. June 1st, 1960, I was baptized in Detroit. And um, I never felt a connection spiritually, but I was curious about Jesus. Yes. You know, because his properties were those that I wondered why the brothers in the neighborhood, my own neighborhood, didn't have those properties of being kind to people, trying to help you out. Why make somebody unhappy when there's nothing in it for you? Right. There's right. no money. There's no nothing. Nobody's putting you on TV for bullying me. So uh, at that time, I was Michael Craig Richards. I didn't become a Muslim until I was past 40. 
Okay. Okay. I was older. I was past. I was about forty-two. So you you started, you started your your journey started in Christianity as all yes. like all the majority yes. mm-hmm. of us. Okay, and you say you didn't it didn't fulfill you. When I would leave the church, the pastor would always shake everybody's hands, and I happened to look at him one time, and um, I said to myself, "This guy don't love me. I don't think he even knows who I am or cares." Mm. And so, no big deal. But I said, I'm not feeling this. So what happened, I'm not sure, hope I'm not jumping too far. No, 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 good. no. Come on. But what happened was I um, had seen the Diary of Anne Frank. I later sort of saw some other Jewish movies. The, the Nazis disturbed me, and they disturbed the way they're building up again now. But what I did was I went downtown to the um, Detroit synagogue. It's still there. I was about 20, 21. Okay. And I went inside, and there was only one person there, and he almost raised his hands. He I was getting ready to rob him. He said, um, what do you want? I said, well, I want to start learning about Judaism. He said, nobody here. Write your name down there, and I'll have somebody call you. Well, he did. Like a long story short, somebody called. Two people called me. One called me and asked me about some things about the Bible. Ecclesiastics, he asked me about. I knew about Ecclesiastics. Then he um, had a younger person call me. Okay. They invited me to come out to Highland Park, Michigan, one of the places where they built one of the first um, Masters. I didn't know that at the time. But I went out to study with the Jewish community at Temple Israel in Detroit. Okay. I stayed there for three years, never converted to Judaism. Um, but the young Jewish guy who took me under his wing was a major benefit to me. Okay. Uh, at one point he asked me, he said, um, you don't feel comfortable in the Baptist church? He said, what about the Methodists? I said, what's Methodist? He said, what about the Episcopalians? So what is Episcopalian? What about the Mormons? He said, what I'm asking you is maybe there's another Christian denomination you feel comfortable with mm. rather than coming out to, a, to, to the Jewish community. I thought he was going to say, I can't teach you anymore at that point. That's not what he said. He yes. said, um, he just continued teaching me. But he gave me these references, Methodists, Mormons. So I studied with him for three years. Mm. Okay. And a lot of our studying consisted of walking around and us just having conversations. Uh, at one point, um, we kind of drifted apart. We remained friends, and he passed away about 20 years ago, I guess. Um, but I started going around to different cities. So in Boston, I studied with an um, Episcopalian fa- um, minister. I asked him and his wife, if I clean your church and your kitchen, will you teach me things out of your book? Will you answer these questions that I might come to you? Wow. So they gave okay. me some books, and I'd read the books and asked him, uh, to explain these different things, why it differed from Catholicism, why it was different than the Baptist Church. Yeah. I did that for about oh, three, four months. Um, the next person I think I got in t- contact with was I was washing dishes, making my money around the country, and it was a Buddhist. He was from Laos or something. I think it was from Laos. And um, I said, can you teach me about Buddhism? He said, yes. Was there anything, uh, Judaism, right? Mm-hmm. Was there anything? Did you still feel that, was that unfulfillment? Unfulfillment? Yeah, did you feel that with with that? You know, I wasn't so much looking for a religion. I was um, just trying to um, expand more of a philosophical base than a a religious base. I don't think I was looking directly for a a way to worship God. That came a little bit later. Okay. And it came in Detroit because I was asking the Nation of Islam about joining their group. And um, um, they told me about Elijah, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, 
I said, well, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, at that point, I was looking for deity. How do you worship God? It's yeah. where you come down here. They had that way of talking. You come on down here to the, master, to the mosque, and you'll know. Listen to what the Honorable Elijah told you, and you'll know about God. Yeah. So I said, well, that's not really what I'm looking for. I mean, I know the racial thing. We've got the same race, yeah. but there's something else I'm, I'm looking for. Then I began to put the Judaism and the spiritual aspect of, um, of the quest together. So do you consider yourself a theologist? And I don't know that I have a right to consider myself myself anything. I don't have any titles. Okay. Uh, but I do know that um, I think it was Langston Hughes who said, even if I opened the door, and I knew that that meant instant death, I got to see what's behind the door. Mm. Mm. You see, I don't, I'm not going to live a life as a Muslim and not understand. Okay. Or as a, as a Christian or a Jew or anything else. There's something behind I always felt there was, after I got older, that there was something behind this legend of um, Noah, this legend of, of um, Eunice or Jonah. That's why I took the name Eunice. If you remember in the okay. Bible, all those layers of darkness that he came out of. And I recognize that both for myself personally, <clears throat> but for my own people. Okay. That we were under so many layers of darkness. So I took that as more of a metaphor mm. than an actual historical reality okay. yeah so i had recognized the layers of darkness i had come through and jonah came through that layer of darkness on in the body of the whale that layer of darkness uh, of the of the ocean layer of darkness of the dark sky all these things um to actuate some level of comfort and peace well i began to study uh, i couldn't call it egyptology but i began to read all the books i could on egypt because i saw some connection with that big fish after I saw that movie, I had mentioned to um, uh, Da Vinci, the Egyptian. Mm. Okay. The okay. Egyptian was something. And so in those things that they now give too much detail and not enough detail to, they talked about the, the big fish. They talked about the man consumed by it. But what I learned in my teens was that big fish <clears throat> was your physical body. That represented the physical constraints that we all have on us. Okay. Our lust our jealousies, our angers, our fears. If we don't, uh, I think it was Ip Man, or, or I think it was Ip Man who said that if you don't conquer those things, a life of 100 years is not long enough. Mm. If you conquer them, a life of five minutes is more than enough. You're free, mm. you're aware. That's tough. And um, so I recognize if I could get to that point where I felt that I understood why the Nazis would do this to women and babies, why the, the brothers, black guys, in my neighborhood would do this to me, coming to my grandmother's store and still, still seek some kind of pleasure out of them tormenting me and chasing me home, okay. making me afraid to come to school. So these things began, I think, to come together, human cruelty. I found out later that some of my uncles beat my aunts. Yeah. Um, I found out about a friend of mine once. Um, and that's, I guess I rambled, but I'm going back over that because I hated bullies growing up. But later, as I became more spiritually in tuned, and, and especially when I became an imam at a masjid, those spiritual bullies, the ones who use the Bible, the ones who use the Quran to terrorize their families, mm -hmm. uh, to justify domestic violence, uh, all these different things to make other people unhappy for what? So, of course, there's reasons, you know, and people study psychology and understand um, narcissism and so forth. Yeah. There are technical terms for it. Um, but like I was talking to um, Dante, um, the, um, 
There were ancient teachings on these things. The first person to commit mass murder was Hercules. So yep. the Greeks mm. talked about these aspects in ourselves that we later began to brush over and um, isolate into um, just um, stories. So that was mm. kind of what got me started, so, the Diary of Anne Frank. So with the thing with um, the bullies and, and the men uh, beating other women and the children, um, you came up in a time with the Black Panther Party, and that was a part of the Black Panther Party where they yes. mistreated some of the women within the Black Panther Party. Now, I don't want to make anybody angry, no, I'm not, but I yeah. know some of the sisters, because um, for some reason people have called me, and um, I don't know if it's my Facebook post or what, but some of the sisters have told me that they tell their girlfriends, the minute a brother tells you he's conscious, run, don't walk. Mm. But why that word? Um, that was a, I've tried to understand this generation well, you said the Black Panther Party. Yeah, that within was, the Black Panther. That was in my generation. Pan yeah. Yes, but I didn't join anything. I um, didn't join the Panthers. Didn't join the nation. Didn't join Judaism. I just moved on my own. But I know within a lot of time, um, power, um, a, a, a sense of power, feeling, feeling as if you were powerful, sometimes gave men uh, think that they, they had the right to. Yes. Uh, dehumanize women or you know um whatever with the child the child um mm -hmm. you know mistreat everything outside of men um so i know what you what you speaking on bullying and all that that's what made me ask the question yeah that was the that time was, of you coming up that was my trigger seeing stuff yeah. like that yeah okay so what <clears throat> but, 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 but finish saying that because i think it helped me to understand oh I, so within the time of of you coming up and you seeing that the, the bullying like you you seem to be a protector of women women Children, yeah. um, those entities who don't seem to be able to either verbally or physically defend themselves. For some okay. reason, they've fallen prey to, and I don't want to sound like I stayed in college, I've just read a lot, but yeah. narcissistic personalities right. who seem to derive energy and strength like a vampire from brutalizing and terrifying someone else. Mm. Yeah. And for some of the sisters I've encountered over the last 20 years, they use the Bible the Quran, mm. the Talmud, being an atheist, anything, anything, anything. They'll use anything. Um, so that set me on. I had a friend. Um, when I became 21, I celebrated because I could drink. Yeah. Not because I could drink alcohol, but because I could go to the bars in Detroit and I could ask the older seniors, who are, who are my age yeah. now and older, what do you think about Elijah Muhammad? Because I knew they were his temp contemporaries. I was just learning things from newspapers and books. Yes. So they had worked, some of them, with Elijah Poole at the plant. And so I usually asked them, I'd say, um, sir, can I buy you a drink? And, uh, sometimes they'd say, I'm waiting for somebody. And if they weren't waiting for somebody, they'd usually take a free drink. Yeah. So I'd buy them a drink, and I'd ask them these questions um, about Freemasonry. So, you know, I've heard about Freemasonry, Prince Hall Masonry, but I've never, you know, been in it. I learned about Freemasonry from the old men in the bar, um, um, mm. um, um, Freemasonry and also the Shriners. So I was always asking people questions. I still do. Absolutely. Always That's asking. That's mm. great. I was mm -hmm. always um, I was uh, taught to, you know, study everything, but don't join anything. Oh, you did? You too. Um, huh? I'm just now getting to where I. I don't necessarily study as much as I used to, 
but I do pay close attention to the things that I don't necessarily agree with. Yes. Yeah. The most. I want to know what my enemies are thinking. Yes. I want to know. The, I, I want to know what the people that don't necessarily like me. I, I need to know what they're thinking. Um. But I used to, you know, uh, I used to really, really, really study um, religion as you. And um, at some point, it kind of felt overwhelming. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, you almost forget how to have a good time because you're so stuck into you're so stuck into thinking um almost rebuttaling what you're studying and it can get you to a point to where you're angry all the time and if you don't find something to uh i can't think of the word if you if you can't find something to um take up take take away it's almost like when a police officer come home right after a long day of whatever he's doing if you don't find something and unfortunately you know they go into pills and alcohol mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. forth but if you don't find something to take away those thoughts in your mind they can consume you decompress Simmons. there you go yeah. thank you man you you let me ramble enough <laughs> but you gave it to me <laughs> I, I was thinking to them like yeah. what words you looking for yeah yeah but um so a great mind is as yourself um I could see a lot of organizations trying to take advantage of that because you, in my opinion, are someone I would see if I was having an organization and would say, I need him. What stopped you from not falling into that trap? You know, I'm going to say real quick, um, I met my, so um, I don't know if you want to cut this out or not, but I met okay. my second wife in Detroit, 1972. Okay. Uh, I was married. So when, mm -hmm. I, when I talk about adultery and things, there's a, a verse. Yeah, there's a verse. A verse in the Quran says, "I absolve not myself." Yeah. But when I met my second wife, uh, I said to myself, "I can't let her get away." Mm. This is a strange one. I didn't see her again for three years. I had her number written in my book. I was living in Boston then, same with the Episcopalians and a couple of other groups. But uh, I didn't see her again until 1975. But 72, I went out to California to study the occult. I want to learn about witchcraft mm. and um, voodoo. Mm. That's a long story, a crazy story. That's a story I want to hear about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in 75, I just ran into her. I kept going to the library she worked at, and I couldn't find her. I couldn't remember her last name, and I ran into her near that same library. Well, what kept me balanced was Debbie because she was just as remarkable a human being as I, as I, as I thought. She was a librarian out here for 30 years. Mm. And um, she was what everybody who claims to be a Muslim Christian Jew, what they claim to be spiritually, she was. Mm. She was that. She was as kind and as um, had the heart of a social worker. So, but she always told me, just like you were pointing out, she said, um, Michael, she said, can it just be a movie? Yeah, every does every movie have to be analyzed with some backstory. Yeah, see, that's how yeah. I, that's yeah. how I, yeah. they 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 get on me often because I I can't just watch a movie for what it is. I see the narratives. I see the like you pinpoint the certain music they use, certain lines they use, certain uh, gems or quotes. These things people throw in a movie, and you would think 
Oh, it's just there. You catch you catch the Easter eggs. Yes, and see, with me, it's like the movie they had come out called Eyes Wide Shut. Mm. Did you see that? I haven't yeah. seen it, but I've seen it. I, I, okay. I never recommended anybody. A friend of mine said, I just saw the worst movie. <laughs> it was the worst written, worst okay. acted, stupid. He said, you may like it. So <laughs> I, I watched it. Yeah. I bought it. Okay. Intriguing movie. I'll just leave you with this. There is a um, video that some of my younger friends just introduced me to called Blame It on the Alcohol. Okay. Okay. You familiar with the song? Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the video, too? Not yeah. the video so much, but the song. Yeah. See if you Fox. can pull up the video, because there's a parallel in that video with Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. Mm. And for you who look for the backstories in films, I believe you'll see it. But Debbie helped me to stay balanced because she was a fun, happy, sweet yeah. person. So I, that kept me from becoming overly somber. And nope. I never got angry because, you know, maybe you found, too, it's not the cultivation of our journeys. It's the fact that we know we're on a journey. Okay. Yeah. And we don't wallow in the uh, material world. We're not looking to sleep with everybody we can sleep with, drink as much as we can drink. We okay. actually understand that we're on a journey. Mm. This is a quest. Yeah. And even if we don't discover um, the unknown land, if you're on that your whole life, you never get bored and you should never get angry because it's a blessing to be awake. There's a quick story about the Buddha I think it's apocritical. I haven't been able to find out where it was true. But one of his students asked him, are you an angel? And the Buddha said, no, I'm not an angel. They said, are you, um, are you a um, saint? He said, no, I'm not a saint. They said, are you a teacher? He said, I'm not a teacher. And I guess they wondered, well, why am I following hmm. you? Well, who, what are you? Yeah. He said, I'm awake. To be an awakened human being is a goal. To understand hmm. what lays behind the structure of um, what passes. One of your questions was about religion. Religion is just a term 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. This was not what people were doing. Once the Abrahamic faith, once Christianity became under the control of the European, the Catholic Church, and then later the Protestants, all the um, energies and spirituality of the um, people of color was being crushed out. Once the Europeans began to conquer the lands and the minerals in other countries, they wanted something more. Yeah. They wanted their souls. They wanted to be able to control their minds, what they thought. Whatever we think is good, whatever we think is bad is bad. So you have some Christians now who um, don't like Muslims. I tell them, what are you upset about Muslims? How many of your grandparents were killed by Muslims? Mm. What danger are you under from, from Muslims? Mm. Ain't nobody told you that they're, we're dangerous except for these people who have been lynching, hanging us with crosses around their necks. So they, mm. lead, they uh, lead the whole world. And they're again through film. They tell them in other countries about what we are, and that we have those who support that narrative with their music. At one time, we were sending Miles Davis, Duke Ellington, classy men, not perfect men, but classy men, who gave us a, a, a powerful narrative on the stage. Yeah. Same year Anne Frank came out, um, John Coltrane put out um, Giant Steps. Miles Davis put out Kind of Blue. No jazz like that since. Mm. A lot of jazzy guys, but no jazz like that really emanating since. Yeah. What about Kenny G? Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a trick question. I'm not going to criticize Kenny G. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's what they're doing now. I get upset about people like that because it was interesting. Um, my brother Dante pointed out that sometimes 
the senior members seem to be criticizing the younger um, manifestation of how they pre the presentation. And it's not even so much that. I get disturbed sometimes because they have dumbed our music down so that whites can do it. Completely. Mm. They could not imitate Miles Davis. I don't care how hard they blew, how long they studied. They couldn't imitate um, John Coltrane. Not then, not now. But sure, you can produce an Eminem. Mm. Yeah. You say you can produce these white girls that go up there and dance. You can get Jerry Lowe up there yeah. jamping around. There was a, a performer named, maybe you heard of her, her name was um, Hazel Scott. She was mm -hmm. married to Adam Clayton Powell. She played two pianos at once. Not like Alicia Keys tried to imitate and honor her by doing much different. And she also did something to put it in the white folks' face, I think. She played classical music. Mm. And she said, I can play classical music, but can you make it swing? And then she hooked it up to Boogie. Mm. Oh, she was talented. She was out of sight. And she was an activist. She would not play any movie that put her in the costume of a maid or, any, or a prostitute, anybody that would disgrace her race. Now you can get these brothers and sisters. They will play anything. Pimp, drug dealer, prostitute, beaten prostitutes. They'll play anything for film time and the money. Now this was an era where she said, I'm not playing anything to disgrace my people. This is mm. back in the 40s. Yeah. They ruined her. Let me okay. So we're we're on this we're on this path of, uh, of music and 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 um, movies. No elders and oh. what we've allowed uh, our white counterparts to do, right? But couldn't we argue that the elders and uh, the old our older generation allow the dam to flow open when you guys let Elvis do it? Well, we didn't have much control over Elvis, uh, but I listened to Elvis. I liked Elvis's music. I liked all music. If it was, he was music talented guy. For a white guy, he was pretty talented. And even then, I didn't buy Elvis's music. black music. Yeah, but I didn't buy Elvis's music. Uh, but I did listen to him. My sister was a big Elvis fan. I listened to it with her. Mm. Um, but something else happened. I'm not going to mention that. I'll mention that off camera. But Motown, the reality behind these performers in Motown was quite ugly. Yes quite ugly. By me being from Detroit, I knew people who knew people. I didn't know them personally because I didn't associate with many people. Yes. But so those aspects of music, I mean, you talk about the, the older, older ones letting it in, um, we were up a very, against a very formidable enemy. Carter G. Woodson and Deuce Muhammad Ali said that once the uh, African American gets his refinements at the at university level, he would be no longer any good to his own mm. people. Whoa. Mm. Once you, and I, I, I interpret that, this is just my interpretation, once you uh, have put yourself into that debt going through, once you have become a CPA or a, um, a lawyer, yeah. you want to make money. Yeah. And like I tell some of the Muslims, but when we do this with our children, they have to go to a white, a Mormon, a Jew for, for, for their living. Yeah. Mm. You know, they don't want to live next to me over here on F Street. They didn't go to college yeah. for that. Yeah. They want to. I've talked to some of the brothers that I work with um, in different sessions and stuff, and they very openly. I want to drive a Volvo. I want to change it in every year. The girls have told me. Said um, I didn't go through school. Uh, they told me that um, <laughs> I asked them about love that generation, and they said, well, "If you mean that, you know, just die, do or die for some brother that's got bad credit, and I don't want to have to go through college and then not be able to get a house. I want to travel." I want to go to Europe a couple times a year. 
So he has to have the same degree I've got or better. Mm. And the brothers have said, one brother told me, he said, um, I check their credit score before I get that involved. <laughs> I said, that's interesting. I said, because we used to take buses together. Yeah. And we're very happy at it. And some of the sisters told me, well, I'm not taking a bus with anybody anytime. Oh, and man. I'm certainly not doing it as an adult woman. There's one young sister. I like her very much. But we were, our culture's class. She was much younger. And she told me, she had red-bottom shoes. That's the first time I ever saw red-bottom yeah. shoes. I said, you got, <laughs> yeah. are your, your shoes red? Said, you never seen red-bottoms? I said, no, I never saw them. So I take it your wife never had any. I said, not my wife. <laughs> but she said this was her lifestyle. So she yeah. goes to Spain twice a year, Europe. And, and she said, this is what she wants. She said, but she asked me a question. I think it was a serious question. She said, uh, when I go to Spain, Madrid, Barcelona, I don't see wealthy Spaniards driving by poor Spaniards on the street and saying, oh, my poor people. She said, how did poor Negroes get to be my people and my responsibility? I said, mm. interesting. I don't criticize anybody for what they say. I just want to have yeah. their feelings on it. But she was very interesting. But, but you saying that, um, it's a question that uh, Dante had asked somebody online earlier today about. Um, I was thinking about the same thing. Yeah. Man. Shout out to the popular <laughs> misfits. Shout out. <laughs> uh, about when when um, blacks gain their education and everything. And like you said, once they get to that point, they feel as if the, they're the black elite. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was about the conversation, the frame of the conversation we were talking. We, um, it was about. Um, it was about uh, fraternities and sororities, and the question was um, framed as, you know, once you guys get these colors and you guys get these degrees and, you know, you, you attain this status, do you guys consider yourself the black elite? Deuce Muhammad had some writings. He went down three layers. He said, because um, a, a, a writer named um, a, a politician named Henry Berry, had said, among other things, a long quote, but yeah. they used to take one quote out we have closed all the doors by where the Negro can get light. Mm. Mm. He said, if we could do more, we would. Yeah. Now, based on that, Deuce Muhammad Ali, he came to this country in 1921 to draw African-Americans out of the church into Islam, not so much just for spiritual reasons. He said, one, the Negro cannot continue consuming alcohol the way he's consuming alcohol. Okay. So he consumes too much alcohol for his power within his own society. Mm. He said, of all the people we know people are starving to death on the planet. He said, but of all the people who pass salt across the table, pass me the salt, pass me bread. The Negro in 1920, he said, the worst diet on the planet. The worst, this is in 1920. Uh, he had started a journal called the uh, African Orient Times, and so he solicited information from people of color all over the world. This is how he did a lot of his studies. So his point was that they had to get away from those things. So he examined three organizations whereby the Negro might gain light. First, the church. Second, Prince Hall Masonry. And okay. third was um, what W. Du Bois coined, I think, in 1911, the Talented Tenth. As mm-hmm. he went through these things, he said uh, he gave the limitations that he felt were in the church. He said there is no light for the Negro here. Then he went to Prince Hall Masonry. He said, this is a place where they should be studying the spiritual side of Scripture, philosophical side of Scripture, and they can begin to put these things together with those who have studied the theology. He said, there is no light for the Negro here. Mm. Then he studied the Talented Tenth, and there he came with the same conclusion. There is no light for the Negro here. So he, according to him, where, where, would, where would the Negro find light from? 
he um, put together, and this is a, a system that I'm trying to develop possibly into a book because I've found pieces, a blueprint that he put together for the Negro to become a Muslim. And when you analyze the blueprint, it's the Nation of Islam. Five years before there was ever a Nation of Islam or Elijah Muhammad. So he, he, so, he, so he laid the blueprint for the nation of Islam. Yeah, he said you had before. to sit them in front of you like students in a classroom, in chairs. They don't need a Quran. In chairs. He said you must teach them hygiene because that was taken away from us. You must teach a woman, a black woman, how to honor and love a black man. They took that from us. Mm. You must teach a black woman how to love and honor, a, a black man how to love and honor a black woman. He said, they took that away from us. We must reestablish what a mother and a father is, not by a term, he said, but by what this pillar is that a child must have between these two pillars, father and mother. It's a polarity. You have to have it. Okay. He said, we have to reestablish that. He said, we have to teach them grammar. They must know tense, first te past tense, present tense, um, future tense. They must speak well and clearly. He also said something else I find very striking. He said that um, if the Negro continues to smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, and try different um, um, types of drugs, he said the colonizers have the money and the genius to perfect a drug to which they will not have an immunity. Crack cocaine, he predicted that almost 100 years ago. Mm. He said they will perfect a drug to which the black man does not have immunity. Mm. Mm. Because he was basing this being born in Egypt and being raised in England on the Boxer Rebellion. So they've already tried this. It was not like he didn't have some, uh, something to go on. Yeah. They tried this with opium with the Chinese. Mm. So when you mentioned about the, um, uh, my, uh, my, a ramble, but when you mentioned about the, my generation and before, these were the things they were up against. Alcohol. He said that he never saw such brutality as he saw in the streets of New York, Detroit, and Chicago with the police, uh, with gangs of whites jumping on blacks for no reason. And when the police came, it was the worst thing that could happen because the police joined in. He wow. said, and heaven help the black man who was taken into custody at that point. Mm. All of these observations that he made, hundred. this was at least 1920, all these observations. So his thing was that they had to stop drinking. Uh, they had to have honor between the sexes. So the nation developed a wonderful level of courtship. I was never in the nation, but talking to them, like yes. I've talked to others, courtship, how men and women come together, yeah. and the penalties for violating these rules of courtship. Okay. Uh, I've talked to sisters of your generation, mm -hmm. and uh, one in particular, um, she told me, um, we talked about how we would approach women for dates and so forth. And she said, well, you would not believe what passes for a, 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 an invitation to a relationship now. I believe it. Yeah, I said that. Netflix and chill, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, she told me. I said, um, yeah. I said, I did not know things had gotten that bad. Yeah. She said, yes, they've gotten that bad. No respect for our women. I tell people, and they're getting, even people my age tell me, you, you act like you're older than me, and I'm yeah. 90. Any of these guys who stand on that stage and scream the B word about their own daughters, sisters, wives, yeah. mothers. No people in the history of mankind have ever denigrated the women of their own race the way they do. Mm. I mean, it's just not never been done. Nobody don't think they've ever thought about it. My assessment is those who could, who used to be able to say that about our women before, who can't get away with it now, they pay them. They pay them. 
before we started recording, you you spoke on um uh with with the women, what your mother and father taught you as far as opening the door for the women, shutting the door, make sure you lock the doors, uh for the women and all that. Um, how much of that do you feel is like neglected? Because I know I know my parents never taught me that. Well, my was my mostly my grandfather. My grandfather okay. taught me how to wear a hat. Okay. He put a hat on my head one day. He said, "You too old to be walking like that." You see, when you go to church and stuff. You do wear a hat. Yeah. He said, "But when a lady comes in, if you don't take it off, you tip it. You let her know that you're acknowledging her, that mm. you're acknowledging her as um as he didn't call it the womb that boy. This is a fancy Islamic term that we use. He said, "You acknowledge her presence that she is a lady, a woman." He said, "It doesn't make any difference if she's um some highborn lady." Any lady. He said, if you're in an elevator, you take that hat off. Mm. Do yeah. you do you feel that uh, because we've failed, I don't even think we have, and, and I'm not trying to be rude when I say this, but I don't think we have to do that anymore mm-hmm. to get women, right? But do you um, feel that the lack of acknowledgement that... Um, black men have against women and vice versa mm-hmm. um is the reason why there's such a divide you know i i i, I don't know i um like i said talk, i try to ask people your your age yeah. group, what they're seeing out here now you know what constitutes love what mm-hmm. constitutes romance um how do you make your approach uh to get a young woman's attention um what length do you go to? See, I know it, what it was in my generation. What was it? Would you mind telling me? Well, them? they used to call it game. Okay. You used to be able to talk to a girl. Yeah, you used to have call. to be able to walk up and separate yourself from the rest of the men who were making the same approach. So, yeah. now, so, if you, so in your heyday, yeah. I, how would that, how would that, I want to hear how that would go. Well, <laughs> you see, if you were always in conflict, because I was short and I was stocky. Okay. So, I mean, if you got Terrence Howard or some tall, angular athlete coming in, you always had that, you know, you might lose that. Not have to open your mouth. (laughs) But um, I know that me and others, that did not stop us. Um, There was a um, uh, a song by, um, uh, I think Luther Vandross sang it. um, And he sings that um, even if I get rejected, at least I know I shot my shot. You know, you go up there to the girl and you ask her. (laughs) One of my friends um, used to laugh at me because I go to a party and I say, <laughs> he said, "Don't you go in and ask nobody about the news. Nobody cares about Walter Cronkite or the news <laughs> at all. Nobody cares about what book you read." Yeah, I was in high school. Sometimes I asked the girl, "You read any good, interesting books?" Sometimes that would work. They would say, "I did read something. I just read something in my English class. It's a pretty interesting book." Yeah, that was that was my thing. Okay, you know. Yeah, and yeah. there again, um, I tell you, when I was studying with the Jews out in Palmer Park. In Detroit, right across the street from there, my wife lived, my future wife, second wife. Yeah. I didn't know her, and I didn't know anything about her living out there. She was a librarian. I went to get a book on the, Zoh- uh, the Zohar, the mystical treatments of Judaism, and um, I had taken two buses to get there, and I got ready to get the book. I found it on my own, and then I told the girl behind the counter, never mind. I left my ID. She said, you seem like an honest guy. I'll check it on my ID. That's how I met my wife. Mm. Oh, so she oh, so she checked your book out for you. Yeah, 
That's the first time I met her. Mm-hmm. And um, she um, lived right across the street at the um, 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 Jewish temple I was studying at. Okay. Right across the street. Mm. I, I know my father say within his time, he, uh, my uncle was, they called it rapping. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he said my uncle used to write down exactly what he would want to say to a woman when he meet a woman. And he would study it in the in the mirror. Okay. Um. So my my father used to he used to sit <laughs> and study it. Yeah. Well, that's what my dad said. That's yeah. um, one reason why I play Isaac Hayes rap is because my dad had um had met, had me listen to it. But um, he said that's what they used to do. So my like my grandfather came to Las Vegas in nineteen like nineteen forty, and he stayed right down the street. Like it's not even two doors down from where we are now. And my my grandfather always bring up. How his parents would say because he had already already had my my grandmother pregnant. Uh, she had just had one child, and she was pregnant again with her second child when he came here. So she said, "They said, well, you gonna come back here and you gonna make an honest woman out of this, out of this woman, and you're gonna come back." And my grandfather always speak on how important uh, a woman was at that time, and like you say to you know tilt your hat to do different things. And we don't acknowledge our women in that way at all now. Oh, you have to no. tip your hat, but not at all. My, don't fit my first wife got pregnant, I don't want it. and <laughs> it was just a matter of what the date was going to be when we got married. There was no, no discussion of any other alternative. You take care of the baby, I'll give you money to take care of it, or um, we're going to do, do what. It was just a matter of when's the date now. Mm. Yeah. You know, like it was, there was just no other. We didn't even think in terms of anything else. And that's my grandfather. You always said we yeah. didn't think of nothing else. It you, was marriage. You were born in what year? Nineteen fifty. Okay, cool. So anybody born in the eighties? Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I understand. Yeah, it's my a, father was born in nineteen fifty-five. About um, him writing down the rap. But think about it. In the animal kingdom, I'm not sure if it's a peacock, but the animals show off for the woman. It's a peacock. Yeah, they they spread their. It's a they show what I yeah. got. And yeah. so there's a natural desire for the male. To present to the female, absolutely what I am. So rap was one of the ways. Yes, you could you could um, lose out to some tall six foot five um, basketball player, but not automatically. Mm. Not automatically. Not a fight, baby. If your rap, yeah. strong, if your rap was strong, That's you had right. a shot. That was a, if your rap was strong, you got a shot. Now I didn't have a strong rap. <laughs> but I was it was unique. But if you if she read books, you was in the you was yeah, in the house. Was, if if she read books, I was all right. Okay, yeah. all right. it's kind of it's kind of like, like the movie dude from Love Jones, uh, the Inkwell. The Inkwell, they did it. The Inkwell, he, he did rap. Contemporary movies, a movie I like very much is Brown Sugar. Okay. Yeah, I like it, yeah. Because that's where I first learned really about hip-hop. Okay. By the time hip-hop came out, I was a, an adult. I was always had my musical taste set. And Debbie listened to some of it, but I didn't really listen to it very intensely. But in that Brown Sugar, she explained to me the emotional attachment that the young people had on to hip-hop. Okay. Yeah, see, I said, and I, I felt that I've watched it several times. Yeah. Because I had that atta- attachment when I first heard um, jazz when I was very young, 10, 11 yeah. years old. But you were you were in your late twenties when the uh, no Brown Sugar I was older than that. You're in your late twenties when when hip hop kind of was in its infancy, so you should have no. I was into jazz by that okay. time. Jazz was um, pretty much. I went to j- and I Earth Wind and Fire mm. jazz. Yeah. I saw Earth, Wind, and Fire, I think, at Pine Knob in Detroit in 76, maybe. What was the first hip-hop song you heard and you you, you, you took it, you digged it? I'm probably going to have to say, and it's only because it's one of the few I remember, um, Grandmaster Flash. Was that hip-hop? 
Yeah. yeah. Don't push me because I'm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. the whole theme of it. Not bad. That's not bad. I like the whole theme of it because, and then it was another one. Um, Please don't say Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang. Oh, That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I, I understand remember. why you don't. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I remember. You know, hip <laughs> Then, even though I was older. I liked Heavy D very much. Okay. Uh, In yeah, fact, yeah. I Heavy signed, D was a breath of fresh air. I sign off on almost all of my correspondences. I'm, I'm wishing you a peaceful journey. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, wow. you know, okay. On all my, yeah, I'm wishing you a peaceful journey. Jazz, who are your top three? Thelonious Monk? No. Miles Davis? Miles Davis. Uh, Elton John. No, no, Elton John. Um, John Coltrane. And even though I don't listen to him as much, I'm a Jamal. Okay. You know, uh, but John Coltrane... And when I like maybe more than all of them, I just don't play them as much because the recordings are not as tight as Charlie Parker. Okay, okay. Because Charlie Parker's the one who, when John Coltrane, when yeah. they were young and they heard Charlie Parker, they couldn't believe what they were listening to. Okay. What he was, was like he was like Imhotep, who built the first pyramid. Forget about the ones who built later pyramids. He showed them the first pyramid. Okay. Mm. okay. What was yeah. the first, what was the last movie you, you really... Uh, you really enjoyed, and what was the last movie where you was like, "There's a lot of messaging in it." Black well, not Panther, the, not huh? Black Panther. Oh my god! No, not. <laughs> I wish I could say Black Panther. <laughs> I like Black Panther, and there's some reality for me. And some of the, uh, my people in my age said, "You're right." I tell them Wakanda existed. Wakanda existed, and it was called Kemet, Egypt. At mm. one time, everything went to Egypt. You, Plato told him, you want to learn um, dancing? Go to Egypt. Egypt was, was, was the biggest port in the world at one point, wasn't it? Absolutely. Okay. And everything went there. Philosophy, mathematics. So at one time, everything was in Egypt. So in that sense, but the movie that I like the best, um, there were a couple. One is a movie they call They Live. Inexpensive yeah. movie uh, made um, back 1980-something. Uh, is it a horror? No, not exactly. They Live. I've heard that. I've um, seen it. Um, of course, the Matrix, because mm. the Matrix deals with um, that this world is not real, and that's what the, um, that's what those people, twenty five hundred, three thousand years ago, they went inward to discover the reality of this world. What they came out with, in um, those Asian countries like, um, um, where the Buddha um, came up and so forth, with and the Upanishads, India, what they came out with is what they're now calling quantum physics. So okay. the quantum oh, wow. physicists go to the Upanishads and the Rig Veda when they're trying to solve problems or ask questions. So now they have CERN in Switzerland where they're doing all these high-level experiments in quantum physics. And what's the um, symbol in front of CERN? The dancing Shiva. Mm. They know something, or they wouldn't have her up there. That's a, that's a long time to go back with quantum physics. Yes, because these things, like in the Matrix, the unreality of this world. My first wife told me when I, last time I talked to her, she said, Michael, can you believe that we're 69 and got grandchildren now? I said, no, son, I can't believe that. She said, it doesn't seem like time could have passed that fast. We're mm. 69. We were in high school together. That's great. And it doesn't seem like that amount of time could have went by. So yeah. I say sometimes it's like you went to sleep and you woke up and you had these memories that they were poured in your ear. Not like you actually lived them, but they were poured there. Yeah, quantum physics suggests different things about the time continuum, but the quantum physicists themselves, Niels Bohr and others, um, um, Uspensky and them, they go back. They went back to quantum physics. They took it back to the Upanishads and the Rig Veda. You see, so 
the people who went inward to discover these aspects of reality, now they're going outward with the mathematics and the telescopes, and they're discovering some of the same realities that they discovered in the um, um, in India. Okay. Okay. Anything but, recent? Oh, ongoing, ongoing. This um, these um things now they're discovering about what they call entanglement. Entanglement, entanglement is what where two things um, are created together, and even if they're separated by a light years, they will respond together. Mm. Mm. You see, so they tethered. Yeah. So did you like? The, did you see us? Us was that by um, the Jordan Peele movie? I saw us. Similar, mm. similar concept. concept. I don't think it was as well done, but similar concept. Yeah, and um, I like Jordan Peele's work. I like his, was it the Twilight Zone he did now? Yes, it's yeah. a t- TV show. I think he's done a fine job. I've watched the Twilight Zone since the very first episode in 1959. Twilight Zone scared me. And I've never stopped watching them. He used to scare me. Yeah. <laughs> I see that, <laughs> that swirl on TV, it's time to go to bed. Yeah, it, yeah, it so, had this scary aspect. Did you ever get into the black cinema and stuff like that around the time? I didn't like the um, what they used to call the black, black exploitation, exploitation film. Yeah. I watched a couple. I liked... Um, um, that's getting that's that's his genre right now. That's liked, my thing. Um, I liked um I'm getting old. I liked um what was it with um with who? Um, Rudy Ray Moore? No, Ron. Ron O'Neill? Ron O'Neill. Superfly. 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 You like Superfly? Largely because of the cinematography and the music. I just watched Superfly for the first time, probably either the beginning of this year Don't or, do it. or the, at the end of last year. Don't do it. And I was highly upset. <laughs> Don't do it. I was highly upset. It's mostly because he's... I mean the old one, not the new one. Yeah, the old one. Okay. And yeah. mostly because he spoke so highly. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, now that it's on Netflix, let me get, let me check it out. And I was like... <laughs> well, it it doesn't care. Some movies don't carry over. My um, nieces, when I got them to watch The Exorcist, okay. they laughed. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, they laughed. The Exorcist was the only movie I ever watched that scared me. Exorcist scared me too. Yeah, had I read the book like I had started to do before I saw the movie, I would not have seen the movie. Sim- similar to Candyman, Candyman scared me, and then my kids watching be like, "Dad, you were scared of this?" Yeah, so maybe really? by you seeing yeah. it so late after it was filmed, I think so. I'm trying, I'm trying to yeah. catch, I'm trying to catch up on a lot of things. Yeah, I like the cinematography that Gordon Parks put together. Yeah. Those yeah. individual scenes, them exchanging dope and the still shots. Yeah, okay. I like those. Okay. I like that very much. Yeah, I, like, my, I like Gordon Parks' work. Yes, yeah, I like that. So, my so, favorite movie was uh, in '75, and I still think it's Cooley High. Cooley High. See, Never seen that it. one right there. I don't think it'll always be. Uh, it's a timeless piece. I've never seen it, and it, that won't change. See, for me, it was Citizen Kane. Mm. Yeah, so, but some movies are just so good. It's not a matter of just just liking them. It's because they're that good. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch Citizen Kane. Yeah. Right, Citizen Mark, Kane's on my list. Yeah, Mark Mark Kane. I've never seen Cosmo. And, and, and then do a little reading on Orson Welles. Okay. Orson Welles. Yeah, they ruined him and ruined that movie. Mm. He mm. wrote it based upon um, um, Hearst, the owner of all these newspapers, okay. and uh, Hearst ruined him and the movie. Same but he was a fine filmmaker. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and quite a thinker. Orson Welles said, um, um, "We're born alone and we die alone." Absolutely. There's just this brief illusion. Of us, um, I'm sorry about that, brother. Should I have... Oh, there's just a brief illusion of us um, being with somebody. Okay. Yes, you see. And I used to, um, um, I not worry, but I used to um, wonder, you know, what happened to Debbie, my wife, 
if I'm not here? What will happen to me yeah. if I don't have Debbie? But what I was doing, I never stopped studying. And I tell people sometimes there's a certain amount of selfishness because I was constantly making all these crazy trips that she was financing and um, lectures I was attending outside of the state that she was bankrolling. Um, and I feel guilty sometimes because uh, I never bought my wife a house and she really wanted one. Mm-hmm. But I, I recognize, too, I think, that had I not done that when she passed away, it was not ordained that Debbie and I were going to be together. She got sick and passed away. It wasn't written that we were going to be together for 50, 60 years. Yeah. And had she passed away as young as she did and I had not had some other preparation, I'd have been in pretty desperate shape. Yeah. So you, you speak a lot of, of Debbie and, um, like, second wife. Do you feel um, true love is something you have to experience in life? You know, I tell somebody, uh, it's hard sometimes for the sisters and brothers to come together for a variety of reasons in Islam. Uh, and some of them have gotten older, and they said, I'm just going to give up. I said, well, don't give up. And um, if you don't experience love, you've missed a, a great deal of the journey. I agree. Mm. That's an aspect that can't be duplicated or substituted for. Um, if you don't have it, if you don't experience it, I think you've lost something. But, I mean, everybody may have other things that they have to experience. Our lives are mapped yeah. out, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, Debbie was, um, you know, quite a lady. And I realized that. I was aware. Okay. And um, so I, but that doesn't excuse leaving one wife. Yeah. Family. For another wife and family, that's not that's an explanation, but most certainly not an excuse. Okay. Yeah. You um you speak of um death often. Do are you to a point where you think about mortality often? Always. And do you um earlier in the uh, earlier in this episode um you were saying that um it's almost like the ultimate goal is to is to die free. Do you feel a lot of people? Um, at, do you feel a lot of people transition without ever feeling free? And how often do you think about your mortality? Well, Debbie used to always tell me. She said, "You think so much about death. You read these books. You know, you go to these different lectures." Because I used to slip into lectures years ago. I don't know if you can do that now. But I used to slip into lectures at different universities and sit there and take notes and stuff. Mm. I'd even lie and say I was a student because I look more of a student <laughs> type than I do now. But I wanted to talk to some of um, the younger people, the people who were enrolled in colleges, to see if I understood what I thought I was understanding. I was reading a lot of books, and I didn't know if I was understanding it or not. So I, that was my technique to do that. But I always thought about the end of this life because um, Shakespeare said it in one way, and the Quran says it in another. Um, I think it said all men are but actors on the stage. They walk on, mm-hmm. and they walk off. Absolutely. And I realized... All of us have to leave. I saw my grandfather age and um, so forth. So I knew that. Was, I saw Willie Mays age. Mm. Mm. I remember seeing Willie Mays run center field. And then Willie Mays got old. So I recognize in my own observation, yeah. death. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, you know, uh, my ultimate fear is not death itself. I, I think I... I think about mortality almost every day and it's not dying that i'm afraid of it's what am i leaving that i'm not sure of you know you want to make sure your your family is straight you want to make sure that you've uh, they carry on your legacy and your the value morals and values um 
from a, even from a financial aspect, these things are the things I think about. If something was to happen to me today, would my family be okay? I think that's the fear I have. So you came to that conclusion much sooner than I have. By the time I, I began to worry about those things, Debbie was gone. My children were grown. Mm. My son went in the Marines. He's had a lot of problems since coming out. I didn't think that way when I was your age. Uh, I was still, like I tell some of the people who say, well, I want to try and recreate some of those things you did. I said, well, for one thing, to, to get on that path, you have to have a large amount of selfishness. Mm. You have to think that that path is more important than anything else. To make this lecture in London is more important than I Because <laughs> Debbie used to tell me, okay, I, we can get your ticket for that, for that trip, Michael, but should we pay the power bill first or should we worry about paying it after you get back? You see, because um, it's selfishness. You can't stop and start. You mm. can't all of a sudden say, well, I'm not going to get that book now. I'll just get it later because it might not be a later. And her books that have taken that much money to acquire trips. And Debbie was very generous uh, with um, um, allowing me to do that. Yes. But like I tell the people who talk about doing that, I said, it's, you can't stop and start this. You can't all of a sudden go to Disneyland and then pick it up when you come back. Um, so if Debbie hadn't been that generous, I'd have lost a lot of them leads that I tried to follow. And um, so I didn't think in terms of securing the family. I didn't have a good insurance policy. I didn't save a lot of money. and. It, that doesn't make it right that I wasted so much of the family's income on these things. Also, I didn't go to college. So the money that I would have made being a college graduate, I never made. Mm. You see? And so my income was cut by that level of selfishness. And then later, even feeling that I had to go all these different places, and it's crazy. But I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't done it. Debbie had left as early as she did. Yes. So, so listening, it sounds like you've been on this journey, um, this 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 journey of discovery and knowledge for sixty years now. Do you feel like you have acquired? Do you f whatever it is you were searching for? Do you feel like you found it? If I died today, I would say that um, I had I, I I understood like I was saying earlier. I understood that I was on a journey. Right. I understood that I was looking for something. Some of the things I've found, I've tried to unravel what the prophets were. I understand what the Quran, the Bible says, but what, what laid behind the structuring of these narratives, of Abraham, of Noah? There's a structure that comes out of Egypt that can be identified as Noah. Mm. You see, noon, that noon sound. So I've tried to study all these different things, and at the end of the day, for those who believe in Christianity or um, Islam or the Abrahamic faith, in the end, God will tell you if you did it right or did it wrong. It's like Dante's Inferno. Mm, okay. You see, no you, may, you may find out <laughs> that you wasted a great deal of time, that you yeah. were always on the wrong path, um, that you didn't take care of your family, that you did not secure the things that you should have secured. Yeah. But this is the only way I can proceed. It's the only way I was able to proceed since I was very young. But not not necessarily the in not necessarily where you're going to end up. But do like do you feel like now like whatever it is I was ch like I was chasing 
something. I was on this journey to discover something. Do you feel like you discovered it? Whatever it is you were, you were, you were I, I understand this journey is ongoing, it's continuing. Yes, ongoing. So, so I know you're still going, but do you feel like today, right now, whatever it is I was looking for, I found it? Found some of it because um, um, last year, 2018, that was two years ago, 2018 in May. Okay. Um, I was invited to come to Egypt. Okay. I went to Egypt. And that's a whole other story, but I got a chance to talk to one of these chefs over there. And okay. you just get five minutes. You wait three, four hours, and you get in there, you get a chance to ask him one question. What happened was I went in there and asked him the question. I told him, I said, I'm very concerned about my people in America. We don't seem to have any, like the questions, any, any cohesiveness. Um, we seem to be in a very destructive process. Is there something you've been teaching here for the last thousand of years or so that you could tell me or find out where I, where I could find out how to pass this on to them? And he said, you know, I've met a lot of Muslims. He said, but most of them try and convince me how much Islam they know, how much Arabic they know. He said, you're the first one who's ever come here and asked me, how can I help my people? Mm. I spent five hours talking to him about African-Americans, mm. the African-Americans. He said he had never heard of all these things. And you normally only get, the average person only get five minutes. Five minutes, minutes if, if that. You, you get, got five you get hours. I've been in contact with him since. I'm supposed to go back again. I'm supposed to go back in November, but yeah. I couldn't make that trip. I want to go to Egypt bad. Yeah, see, and I never would have expected to have been going to Egypt because I didn't make that kind of money. But the trip was paid for. Mm. Everything was paid for. Um, so I guess I'm saying that cer certain things have come up to make me feel like maybe it hasn't been a waste. Okay. Mm. You know. Yeah, because I was almost going to compare it to uh, – um, sports wise, like um, when when Kevin Durant won won his rings, right? Mm -hmm. He won them. Like the ultimate goal is to win the rings, right? Yeah. And then when he finally got them, he still didn't feel fulfilled. So it was almost like I gained all I gained all this knowledge um, because you know I I, I heard you um, you know I listened to you speak on uh, your son when he came back from. Um, Marines. The Marines, and then with your, you know, with your wife, um, passing at uh, a young age. Um, sometimes hearing you at all, it's great for your legacy, but sometimes hearing you, it almost feels like a little regret there. Like, has all of this knowledge you've attained, everything that you've experienced, um, has it become quite, has it become a bit of a burden? Like, do you think I should have been here more? You know, I, I, I tarry on that thought sometimes, and then other, and I usually let it pass, because it's like we talked about movies. When I first saw Yentl, okay, Yentl opened up like I was in a theater. Okay, I've watched Yentl maybe twenty times. I need to write all these movies yeah, down. You remember? <laughs> you ever see Yentl? No, no, I've seen okay, it was a musical, Barbara Streisand. Little it it sounds like, sound like a Jewish yeah, movie. It's a Jewish movie. Okay. She um, was a, living in a time when they did not allow women to learn. Okay. Picture books for women was under quotes, the intellectual books for men, different ends of the bookseller's table. Okay. And I saw all these things about my people, the times we could not go to libraries, the brilliant minds that could not go to a university, could not get access to the books they wanted to read. So correspondences are part of what I've acquired. 
where I can see many different systems in just one story. Ancient Egypt opened up. Um, who Akhenaten was opened up. Um, so those things that I've gained and, uh, and try to pass on to others make it seem somewhat worthwhile. And I hope that Debbie would be pleased with her investment. Okay. So on, on yeah. that note, on that mm -hmm. note, like listening to everything that's going on, uh, kind of expounding on what Dante was saying, it sounds like as this personal, this personal quest you're on, this, this personal journey you're on, cost those around you a lot. The people yes. around you paid for the journey that you were on. They paid for it. Do you, do, how did that? How do you? How do you sit with that? I, you know, it's, it, I, I think about it frequently, and I realize that it was Debbie's fault sometimes <laughs> because I, <laughs> I would just be sitting there trying to figure something out. And her question to me for almost the whole thirty years was, yeah. "It seems like there's something on your mind. What can I do to make it easier?" Okay. Thirty years. What can I do to make it easier? Well, they got this lecture in New York. So she put the battery in your back, basically. Very uh, almost always. Okay. I didn't go to her and say, I got to go to this lecture. She said, you look, you're thinking about something. What's, what's on your mind? So how can I make this easier for you? So did it ever cross your mind to just be like, you know what? She's, she's paid it. She's, she wants this house. She, she has things that she wants to achieve or she wants for us as a family. And I know that she's paid the price so far. Let me not be honest this time. Let me take this sacrifice so that I can give my wife what she wants as opposed to what I feel like I want to argue. You know, I did that, but it was very early on. When we first got out here, she was working at the library. I'd take her on the bus to get to the library. Yeah. Then I would go pick her up at night, go back, take the bus back, and we ride back home. I don't like to see women walking around by themselves. Okay. At any rate, um, uh, at that time, uh, I, it came to my mind one day when I was reading through the Upanishads, <clears throat> Buddhism. I said, I'm sitting here doing this every morning, and she's working. I said, this is crazy. You can't do this. So I opened up the newspaper. I got to get a job. Okay. But I had worked with my father for a year. I had only been out of work for about a year. Okay. I opened up the newspaper, and the Imperial Palace at the time was hiring everything. They opened up the big place. Everything was, uh, all jobs were open. Okay. Yeah. So I went to the Imperial Palace, and I um, told the personnel director, I said, uh, if you hire me today, October 2nd, you'll be hiring me on Groucho Marx and Mahatma Gandhi's birthday. I know she mm. thought I was crazy or drunk. She said, we'll have to get you hired right now. <laughs> well, make a long story short, I worked at the Imperial Palace for 25 years. Okay. I never would have done that for anybody but Debbie. Okay. Mm. You know? Okay. Also, um, Debbie went away to get her master's degree in library science. She got her degree here, got her master's degree in yeah. Pennsylvania. You have a degree for that? Mm-hmm. You got to be a librarian. I mean, you can work in a library, but to be a librarian, you have to get a master's in library science. That's new. Mm. Okay. So, wow. I'm glad that WM at least got to. Um, I'm sorry about that. No, no, no. You're fine. Okay. I'm glad that Debbie got a chance when she passed away. She passed away as a librarian. Okay. Not a library clerk. Okay. She also put on gong shows here in Las Vegas. Ah, she okay. She put on four gong shows, and they were brilliant. Okay. She put on art shows, best art shows I've ever been to from here to New York. Okay. So, she did get a chance to stretch her artistic abilities okay and i think um the having a house was her dream but it's not all it's cracked up to be it's not it's i mean this was her dream her goal but i told debbie i said i love you i'll do anything for you but i will not work a second job and this is to keep us off the street 
So there's too much I want to learn, too much I want to do. I'm not going to give 80 hours a week, 60 hours a week to a job unless we just have to. Yeah. So uh, we, I tried to balance it out where she was not just left hanging with nothing. Okay. Um, that she had, I told her, uh, you might find this funny, uh, the sisters may listen to this and may not, but I used to tell Debbie, I said, um, I want to make sure that you get a full education so that if you get tired of me or you want to get out of the marriage, you can, you're not stuck like women are sometimes financially. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, hardly, hardly leave you, Michael. Okay. She got her degree. And when I went up to her for the graduation, she said, remember when you told me that when I got my degree, if I said, yeah, she said, well, I got my degree now. I said, I changed my mind. <laughs> she said, when? I said, right after I said it. <laughs> I didn't have any, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, but I tried to balance things out so that Debbie had a sense of um, fulfillment, okay. some kind of achievements. I thought they were more important than um, being a housewife and sitting up in a house. because I've seen too many women who have that. Uh, and they find, like most of us do in many cases, like Aesop's fables, it was not worth what I thought when put all his efforts to get them grapes. <laughs> they sour. Yeah. You know, so you, you, I just go ahead and let it ride now. I mean, it is what it is. There's no reason to worry about the past because that's gone. Right. Can't dread about the future, as they say, because that may never happen. Yeah. yeah. All we've got really now, and so I'm still working on those. I went to Memphis, Tennessee um, with a group and tried to, give them some of those indications to look into. Yeah. You know, I tell I'm never talking absolutes. I don't have any absolutes, but just things you might want to look into, like the um, like the role of a mother and a father. Okay. Like I tell them, when that baby takes the mother in her arms, there should be something that leaves with that child that it can remember um, for 60, 70 years that reminds me of mom. Okay. So with that being said, do you feel you passed today, you gave you've um, offered the knowledge to equip your children? You know, uh, my daughter got My daughter works at a place called Yap. She does um, works with at-risk youth okay. who've gotten themselves in trouble and need to get back into the system. I'm not sure if she, she I think she got it from her mother. Okay. But whatever she got from her mother, she can thank me because I picked her mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I recognize. I recognize um, that her mother was something very special. I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm doing this, brother. Okay, I got that fixed. Yeah. So, but it's just the way it is now. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing else to do. You you can't unring the bell. It's um, it's just what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, having this conversation with you, I'm. It sounds like a, a lot of your spiritual journey, a lot of the journey that you've been on, also has been connected to cinema. Yes, a, a lot of a lot of the insight that you see, or a lot of the path that you've taken, it seems like was sparked by something you saw in cinema. How important has cinema been in your journey? Very, very, because like you mentioned, I think earlier, those narratives mm -hmm. and those older movies, the writers were not, they were not Adam Sandler just trying to make a few bucks and make some folks laugh. Mm. They had been through some things. They had been through wars, Second World War, First World War, Jewish programs in, um, in Europe. Uh, they had the Holocaust coming up and then afterwards. So all these things were put into these stories, these, um, some of these wonderful movies that convey so much. Um, uh, there were five movies. I have to send you the titles. I, uh, I forget sometimes, but there's five Please. movies I have together as collection. The Egyptian, um, 
Meetings of the Remarkable Men, Matrix, um, Pi. There's one other one. But they're, um, the protagonist, is all, they're all asking the same question. Why? Mm, in the Matrix, okay. it was, what is the Matrix? What is this system? Uh, There's something not coming together. In the Egyptian, his question was, why? In Pi, his question was being developed, this spiritual journey through mathematics. That's the, uh, the guy with the tiger on the boat? Uh, no, not that not one. Not Secret Life of Pi. No, okay. not Secret Life It's just called Pi. Pi, P -I. okay. Uh, it's a black and white movie. Okay. Um, and then Meetings with Remarkable Men. He went out to search for knowledge. His name was G.I. Gurdjieff, true story. Okay. So he um, was looking for knowledge. So some people, I think myself included, um, there's something about um, just having a preacher or an imam or some um, sheikh or some Christian scholar explain to me what reality is. Okay. So I want to find out as much as I can like um, the great philosopher Marvin Gaye said, what's really going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, a little bit on our in our uh, in our community, right? Especially over here, I think with me and with me and Vinci, uh, I guess we're using our real names on this. Yeah. One. With me and Vinci, um, when we drove up, uh, the first thing we said was we didn't ever see. I hadn't noticed this uh, the mosque right here. Is that what you we call it? We yeah, still call mosque, it mosque. Yeah, same thing. Okay, um, it this along with the hundreds of churches on the west side. It just seems like a big melting pot, right? Um, with you being here for the many years that you have, um, what's the problem? I know we're starting to see hints of. I know we're starting to see hints of gentrification. Um, you have the you put politics involved. Um, you have out of towners buying up property around here. I would, I guess, I would just expect, and, and a lot of this is is put on us too. Um, our, I would expect, and it's selfishly because I've done nothing myself. I would expect because there's so many leaders, there's so many um, places of worship that our area will be built up way more than what it is with our money and power. Hmm. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a, lot of, a lot of us corrupted. In other words, um, okay. a lot of us corrupted, flat out corrupted. Uh, who is it, uh, Marcus Garvey? Or, I, I, won't, I won't quote because I think it was Marcus Garvey. He said the um, white um, politician or a businessman, he'll sell his people out for $100. Nigger would do it for a nickel and still can't mm. pay his power bill. Mm. Still can't pay his rent. That's tough. You see them all up there now. You see the um, um, Ben Carsons, these ones who yeah. got these big jobs at universities. All they want to do is sit up on CNN and um, give all these um, thousand letter words and yeah. show you how intelligent they are. Um, nobody's really moving to make these kind of changes. A lot of people who've tried to make those kind of changes, I have a whole PowerPoint on political assassinations. Mm. And when you go through that, you find out a lot of those ones who tried to make the difference, they suddenly dropped dead. Paid the price. Mm. Heart attacks, plane crashes. Um, Louis Lomax was going to write a book long before this show on Malcolm on who killed Malcolm X. His brakes went out in New Mexico. Mm. This book here, Dorothy Kilgallen, she was one of the um, most successful journalists during the time of the Kennedy assassination. 
she said, she started investigating Jack Ruby. She said, there's something not right about Jack Ruby having that kind of access, no notes being taken uh, by a person they thought killed the president. She began to investigate. They found her dead in her apartment uh -huh. from a barbiturate overdose. Wow. What is your, because um, you, you dive into something I'm interested in. What is your thoughts on both of these, the Malcolm X assassination and um, this the lady right here on the cover oh. that was diving into the Kennedy assassination? Well, when I was young, very young, between 12 and about 18, all of a sudden I'm in school. They say um, President Kennedy got shot and go home. So they shot the president. So that's weird. I get home, they pronounced him dead. It was several years later, but it seemed to me like next thing I know, Malcolm's dead. They sent so they sent y'all home when the president was. Yeah, it seemed to me that we were in an after-school class or something. Hmm. Um, next thing, Robert F. Kennedy was dead, shot by a Muslim, Sirhan Sirhan. I said this don't even make sense. Then Reverend King was shot by James Earl Ray. I didn't believe any of it, hmm. so I began to try and get as much information on those because I believe if you believe that these single gunmen did this or the nation did it, you live in one America. If you believe that this was constructed by very um, real forces within this country, you live in a different America. Um, so Since that time, Fred Hampton, Johnny Cochran catches cancer, drops dead. Mm. You know he got it. Uh, there's so many Easy of them. Easy E. Huh? Yeah, Easy E. Um, all these people that tried, and no conservatives among them, all the ones that had these strange deaths that I uh, went through, were all trying to reach down, pull up. So, so it's kind of, um, kind of like we're living in a false reality. I think so. I think so. Um, and we have to operate within it. We can't just say it's not real and then just back off. Yeah. But there's something, like in The Matrix, he realized there's something not making sense. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at this world, but what is this structure that's going through? So you've read a lot of books and you've watched a lot of movies. Um, is one equally as important? Do you feel books and movies is equally as important? I think they come together because when, when, you, when you travel and you've read, things are triggered. Um, when I went to Egypt, like you're talking about the community here, what the Shek told me, he said, um, the problems that your African-American um, brothers and sisters are having, he said, look around you. You look at the great Egypt. Have you ever seen such poverty? Mm. No, I haven't. What happened to Egypt, he said. We talked about the Native Americans. Maybe 70 million Native Americans between here and South and Central America. 400,000, a million left. What happened to all these people? Because you spoke on Egypt as being uh, a Wakanda. At so, one time, it was Wakanda. So the riches and everything was there. And now to go to Egypt, yeah. it was poverty. I had never seen that level because I had not been to that part of the world before. Mm. A lot, a lot, but a lot of those older Western civilizations seem to be in a similar state. Yes, and I think some of that's natural aging. Okay, look how old Egypt is. I think I think about Greece. As yes, well. Greece too. But as um, the Sheik put the thought in my mind, I don't know that I ever had it before. He said, "When did the Greeks ever have such bodies as those statues?" Have you ever seen a Greek? Mm. I said not really. Greeks aren't big. They aren't big, are they? Or muscular, <laughs> athletic in, in, in stance. He said those statues came from Africa. Mm. 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 Now, 
he put that thought in my mind. I don't know if I ever had it before, but one of the points that I've later understood or maybe understood even before was that in Homer and the others, they told you that the Greek gods came from Ethiopia. Did they? They came from Ethiopia. They were honest about that early in Greece. The Greek, the, Greek, the Greek gods came from Ethiopia, what about, Abyssinia. What do they say about Heracles? <clears throat> All those were just renamed. They just took those gods' attributes and they stuck a name, another name on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Sound like Christianity but, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but all, all everything. Yeah. So later with what with, with, with Greece had done, um, the wonderful George G.M. James wrote the book Stolen Legacies. It's underread, skipped over, not ingrained. What he told you was all you need to know, that this Western world, this white world, has stolen the knowledge and put its stamp on it. plagiarism. Mm, yeah. Aristotle said didn't write anything. So they were the first. They were the first. Later, in India, Max Mueller, German scholar, he came along and said that a great migration came from the north called Aryans into India, and they created the Indian society. That was a lie. Mm, okay. It was a lie. No migration came, but the Indians believed it. Many of them. It was a, another way of taking the culture of, of black people and making it white because it was too extraordinary what they found in India. So okay, so knowing that, because from what I from what I've understood from from various things, we at one point we dominated. We we were the first astrologers. We were the first seamen. We were the first. How do we lose our place? And how do we lose? How 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 do we al allow a smaller group of people uh, uh, to assimilate all this power right in front of us? Well, there again, no absolutes for me, so I don't want anybody hearing this and getting mad. My theory is that when you look at what happened with um, um, Egypt under Ptolemies, they created this guy, Serapis, put a white face on it. Also, the white or Western mind always seemed to identify itself as a group. In Africa, they didn't identify themselves as black. They were different tribes, different, different tribe, nations. Yeah. Um Almost all the people in India, they identify themselves as either Hindu or something else. They didn't have a collective, but the European seemed to have had a collective. Yeah, we may not like the French, and the French didn't like the English. None of us liked the Germans. But we can come together to put our foot on the black neck. So, so, in, so in simpler terms, they unionized, and we didn't. Yes, that's a, that's a good way to put it. They, uh, <laughs> they understood that. And keep in mind, when you ask about uh, that other, the older generation, from 1865 to 1965, that was a period when they got out of slavery, to 1965, they still could not, didn't get proper housing, proper voting. They could not work in the construction industries. They were denied jobs in most other places and so forth. So they had a way of weighting down that black growth. I don't know if that explains um, why we didn't do better in an area like here. Yeah. Where we, could have bought land, you know, 40, 50. I'm not business-minded, so I, I, um, I'm not guilty on that end. I'm guilty on many ends. I'm hardly not guilty. But where business is concerned, I never understood business. Yeah. I just, you know, I didn't think about buying land and, and um, investing. I wanted to have a bookstore, which would have been very easy to do 40 years ago. But I didn't even do that. So I don't know about business. I don't know how that, yeah. what should have happened um, here. Okay, so what about... You and um, the other uh, the other ministers, and we have the nation up the street. Um, 
what is the relationship between all you guys, or is it just your own little worlds in this big melting pot? This is my little world right here. This is usually where I'm sitting at in here, uh, unless I have to go out of town or something. I'm usually sitting here working with the kids, Okay. Uh, African-American history studies, but I also try and teach them the art of listening and critical thinking. I don't know how many of them are going to go to college. Yeah. But critical thinking is very important. And I use some of the Quran in that. And there's an eye in the Quran that says, if I had only but listened, I would not now be in the hellfire. I told him, substitute that. If I had only now listened, I would not be in high desert. Mm. You see, I said, the Quran is not just talking to you about religious things. It's giving you information about your life. If you know what's right and wrong, and you follow what's right and wrong, you can avoid a lot of horrible problems. I use that movie Gridlock to my movies in the... Uh, Shout with, um, uh, that's my movie. The scene now you're saying he something was, I know. Where he's some talking about um, <laughs> getting addicted. Yes. He said, uh, we were out there with this white guy, and he gave us some alcohol. We used to get drunk. Then we took us out there. He gave us this uh, cocaine. Yeah. He said, my buddies, he said, they got sick. They were throwing up all over the place. He said, when I hit it, I was in the womb. Mm. Instant addiction. Mm. You don't get a second child. The Quran does the same thing. Alcohol and drug, alcohol and gambling are tools of the devil. And I tell the young people, devil, demons, iblis, these were the terms that the people 1,400 years ago understood. They didn't understand addiction. They didn't understand um, uh, how this body chemistries and these kind of things. So that was the language that was revealed to them. The language is just the same now. You can mess around, experiment with your buddies and some cocaine, and you're, you're an addict. You don't mm -hmm. get a second try. Man. That's what he expressed in that movie. So I use that scene when we talk about that eye in the Quran to explain you don't experiment with these things because the first time you roll those dice up the table just clowning around, hey guys. you get yourself, you're addicted not to gambling. Yeah. So <sighs> <clears throat> those realities are there in all the books. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and Revelations in the Bible. Mm. These are powerful metaphors. You see, they're as real now as they were, maybe even realer now than they were um, 2,000 years ago. So I try and use the movies. Yeah. I try and use um, music um, and everything else to get them to understand um, what these narratives were conveying to you. Now, they have to figure out where they think these narratives came from. A divine hand who put these things together yeah. in this magnificent form that never ends. It's so, as transferable now as it was 1,400 years ago. Now, you think a man wrote it down and was able to do that, or do you believe in God? But that's for them to decide. I don't yeah. try and push that. They know that they're Muslims, and maybe many Muslims are not. In the Christian church, there are those same narratives and metaphors. The problem is, for our people at least, and whites too, they don't live by these things. Yeah. They go to church. Maybe, maybe they, they tithe. They say, I'm saved. That don't mean they're not getting drunk on the weekends. It doesn't mean that they're not living in lives of um, of um, uh, that would be considered as sinful in the Bible. Yeah. They don't mean Adultery anything. and all that. So if these books are giving you the information, it's like I tell the young people, if I had but listened, I would not now be sitting up here in a jail cell. I would not now be standing before a, ju a white judge uh, because they found drugs on me. You see, right. so these are things I want them to understand in a practical sense. And then they'll have to move into whether they understand it, where these revelations came from. They're there. Uh, it doesn't seem like a human being could have written them. 
So now you have to decide divine or hyperstance. I mean, that's... You, you speak, like, with the movies and, and books. Uh, what about documentaries? Documentaries are very good. I have, I put together a documentary. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you guys to... Uh, Please do. You know. Yes. I, I did three forms of it. One form was targeted toward Muslims. One form was targeted toward seekers. One form was targeted toward Christians. I only have the one... Um, one version left now. That was the one I did for the mosque. Yeah. You know? But take the ending out because the ending is um, sliding. It can be. It can go to a Christian conclusion, to an Islamic conclusion, but it's um, it just. Uh, it's only a. It's only a. Um, what do you call it? Um, what do you call it in films? It's just a. Um, what markup. Oh. It was not really okay. a finished piece. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can be as critical as you want, but I'm just saying. It, it, I never really went back to f- do it again. Uh, to make it refined and check okay. all the. It's just you, with you speaking on like so many different movies and and books and you know your wife love and all that. It's like I didn't hear much about documentaries and like when you spoke on the Malcolm X mm-hmm. documentary and when um, Dante had asked you you know how you felt about it and within your study of of knowledge within your whole life, so you got to see the the Malcolm X's the Martin Luther Kings come up. Do you feel like? Did you study their teachings too to be like, okay, this part of Malcolm was was whatever, or this part of Mal- Martin was whatever? Whatever is true, I try because I use a lot of quotes from the books that I. Because now, read. now you got so many. Um, you got documentaries on each thing, so yeah. you was actually able to say, well, I lived in this time, so you can watch something like that and be like, uh, that's false. I don't. I don't bother. Okay. With the Malcolm, I didn't watch it. One, because at this age and all I've tried to understand, I don't have the time sometimes to sit up there and watch someone else's interpretation to tell me who killed Malcolm. I know who killed Malcolm in my own mind. Mm. Okay. Same one who killed President Kennedy. Same one who killed Reverend King. Same one who killed Robert F. Kennedy. Same one who killed Dorothy Kilgallen. Same one who killed um, um, Biko in, in South Africa. Same one who imprisoned... Um, um, Mandela, yeah, same one who's killed people all around this planet. Yeah, I think our generation, um, our generation do don't understand either don't know or don't understand how Doesn't. vicious COINTELPRO was. That's right, absolutely not. And mm. so, that's I'm I have the same mind frame as you. It, it can't be. I'm not going to allow a, a, a documentary to uh, put this. Uh, specifically Malcolm's assassination into a box of just four guys just walking in there yeah. and, and a whodunit. Yeah. It's not, it's it's way more complex than that. Um, uh, I know you guys are trying to hear about hear me. Oh, no. no I, I'm, so, I'm, I can, we can um, Yeah. Yeah, so I better get back in. Yeah, that. we can wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, before we before we go, I do, I do have another question. Because um, I hear you speak about the Quran a lot. I know from my, my personal experience growing up uh, in the Christian, in the Baptist yeah. church, um, a lot of times they say, well, whatever answer you're looking for is in the Bible. Whatever you're going through, whatever yeah. answer you look for is in the Bible. Do does do Muslims feel the same way about the Quran? They do. Many of them do not demonstrate it. When they get called in for different offenses within their families and stuff, I ain't going to the Quran to do that. Yeah. And when you're yeah. hitting your wife, that it, you haven't gotten went to the Quran to, to justify that. Yeah. And sometimes they try and pull that, that they do. 
but reading a book and understanding it and living by it are all different things. Okay. Uh, it's like uh, one of the, the Buddhists I studied with, he said, um, it's, anybody can be a Buddhist. Are they trying to be Buddha? Mm. Are they trying to reach this level of humanity? Or are they just Buddhists? Now you see the Buddhists committing um, acts of violence. You see the Hindus um, attacking um, helpless Muslims. In other places, you see, help, you see Muslims attacking helpless other people. Yeah. Quran and, 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 and the Bible and um, Hinduism don't justify those acts. So, yeah, they may be, you can call yourself any, I can call myself doctor. Yeah. I ain't no doctor. <laughs> you know, I haven't been to a university. I didn't get that kind of, um, you know, um, justification to, to, to say anything. So that's why I don't speak in absolutes, but you can call yourself Muslim, Christian, Jew. But each one of those has some kind of a standard. Yeah. And But with the, the absent standard seems to be forgiveness. I was telling somebody who was telling me the other day who's a Muslim, and he was criticizing Christianity. And he was also said he's a seeker of knowledge. I said one of the first laws, principles of the uh, master teachers of, t of two, 3,000 years ago, never spit on the path of another. Mm. You can teach your path. Nothing to stop you from doing that. Yeah. But you never spit on the, the spiritual path of another. Why? Because you don't know what brought him to that path. The tragedies, mm. of sorrows, mental illness, losses. Yeah. So you don't spit on another system. Yeah. You can teach your system and tell why you think it's a good yeah. system. But there is no justification for being uh, unkind, cruel, disrespectful to a Christian, to a Hindu, to a Jew. Uh, to but with all within Islam, those um, schisms and things exist. So yes, the, the most, and I believe that it's there, but it has to be understood in the current time. So the Quran has an eye that says, talk to people in a language they understand. Yeah. So if I'm running around talking to people in Arabic who don't speak Arabic, telling people about Iblis, you're not going to keep young people away from sexual activity because you call it a sin. It wouldn't have kept me away from sexual activity. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have cared if the devil was on the other side of the, the door when I left. <laughs> so those things have to be understood how this actually affects you to take yourself down these dark corridors. And then you realize at the end of it, it like most things, it really wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. She wasn't all I thought she was. He wasn't all I thought he was. But now you're stuck, like I tell them, now you're stuck with the baby. Now your life is on a whole different trajectory. I said, and, but you, if you had only listened. Yeah. So we have to talk to them, not in spiritual sense, but in the sense of what this will make of your life right now, here and now. Uh, there's a wonderful serial called Walasser, and it tells you that if you're sitting in a conversation with people and these principles are not being expounded, whether it's about sports or, or, um, or entertainment, if these principles are not being expounded, I tell them, even if they're all Muslim, salam alaikum, get up from the table, make your excuses, and leave quickly mm -hmm. because improper suggestions come from all people. Muslims, Christians, Jews, they are not limited, but yeah. they can take you down a road. Um, and was it? Um, I, I think I, I think it was like in gridlock. He said he, he didn't expect his, his parents didn't expect him to be a drug addict. Yeah. Your life can turn in an instant. And it's just yeah. a mess. I see. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I hear kids and I've seen kids uh, around here since we've been here. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now we're in a. Um, I don't want to say era, but we're in a time where mental health is very important. Very important. Yeah. Um, is um, 
religion itself doing a good job at remaining spiritually and culturally relevant uh, when it comes to such things? Because we're so used to uh, just pray it off. Yes. I, I hate to hear your moms tell people when they have a problem, you got to read the Quran more. You got to pray more. You got some man beating you up at home and beating the children. Pray more. I've never seen that to work. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work. Uh, I've asked brothers from, from the time I was um, about 20, when he was trained too. Had a friend tell me once, um, we, a girl we went to school with, he uh, knocked her down, put his foot on her throat. Jeez. He wanted to know, said, Mike, so I need to get her some flowers or candy or something. I said, he said, so what do you think I should get her? So I tell you what, let's have this experiment. How about if I grab you up in this bar stool, put you on the ground and stick my foot in your throat? Now you tell me from down there, how many pieces of chocolate right. will eliminate that humiliation? How many flowers will take away the pain? I said, now we'll have our answer, won't we? Mm. So this has been a shortcoming, maybe in a good point, because I don't parse in these areas. Uh, I don't believe in telling women to stay with abusive men. I have asked some of the imams who've counseled that. How about if I beat you up? Then how are we going to put this all back together again? Right. Go, go to somebody sitting there and talk about it? So these are very delicate issues, and they, um, and they permeate all cultures and societies. Uh, yeah. I worry about my people because not many people do. Mental health is one of those big problems because underneath all this religion, there's mental illness. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'd never found that kind of comfort in um, um, praying it away or reading a book away. I, I read a lot, but I think that there's other solutions for that kind of emotional, mental, and physical pain. So I don't know if religion, at what point religion has addressed that. I think that it has for some people, Christians, Catholics, and so forth, and um, some Muslims. Uh, I don't look for that solution for me. I'm just not that strong spiritually, probably. Okay. So it's my shortcoming. What? Anybody got anything else? No, I'm mine. So where would anyone listening to this and they want to find you or hear from you um you have a lifetime of knowledge um if they want to send flowers you can give them my phone number (laughs) if they get mean just tell them i think he's left town (laughs) i don't think he's still here no (laughs) no no we don't have those type of (laughs) okay but um yeah if any you know uh, a mentorship or you know just want to hear from you um where can they find you i'm usually right here um, for better, for a beat down or anything else, I'm usually right here. I'll give you a card. Right here is right on, uh, what is this, F Street? No, this yeah, I live on F Street, but this is a Morgan. This is Morgan and F. Yeah, 7-Eleven yeah, Morgan Street. Mm-hmm. Morgan Ave, I'm sorry. Anything on social media? I don't think I'm on social media. I mean, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. I, th- I think that's it. <laughs> so, so they, so they want to hear from you. They got to come down here in person. Well, they can call. I mean, okay. I don't have anything on Y'all social media. I don't think I'm on social media. Down there at 7 Eleven Morgan Avenue. That's not on. Um, Facebook and social media. Is that social media? Yeah. Okay, I think that's about it. Okay. Social media, your name on social media is Aman. No. Imam. Imam. Imam Mustafa mm-hmm. Yunus. Yeah, Mustafa Yunus. Yunus. Yeah. And then Yunus, of course, like I said, is Job. Yeah. Not Job, Yonah. Jonah. You know, so. Okay. 
All so right. I hope it. I hope it was um, um, of, of of some interest or help. I appreciate oh it. man, we appreciate the Probably knowledge. Be your first this time is a great yeah, conversation. I hope, I, I, I hope not. Yeah, I hope you guys a, are going to say that old man is nuts. They need <laughs> they need nah, to do a, something about him down there. This is there. a great oh, conversation. Keep him away from the kids and, and nah. women. <laughs> I never remarried either. Ah. First five or six years, I couldn't even face thinking about opening the car door for somebody else. Or, mm. Oh man, mm. that's tough. Yeah. That's why I ask you, is it important to experience love? I'm I'm trying not to experience that. Yeah, I understand. I'm running from I, it. I, I can't. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it definitely is not. Uh, it's like everything else. It's uh, It's got some serious pitfalls. Oh, man. Losing it. Yeah. Losing it. Is the, yeah. Get, getting it is one thing. When you lose it, boy. All right, y'all. Till yeah, next yeah. time. Peace. Peace.